That was well done. Who do you think you are? It's a great question. Uh, I'm going to get there, but I want to start by going, I can't believe you're all here. Like, over the course of my time at Waypoint, the lowest attended Sunday is time change Sunday when we leap forward. People hate losing sleep. You bucked the trend. I don't know what's wrong with you, but I'm happy you're here. This is good, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, why not? Don't get an inflated ego. Oh, sorry, I just had to throw that out there. Um, We actually uh, started a series last week, which we're continuing, and we're talking about a topic uh, that if you're not careful with, could actually mess up your connection with God. We're, We're talking about ego and how it plays out in our lives in a lot of different ways. You'll see somebody who's an egomaniac, and you'll look at them and think, I'm glad I'm not like that. And that's exactly what ego wants you to think because it's sneaky. It rarely shows up in our lives in egomaniac type ways. That's why we talked about last week that sometimes to find it, you have to look behind other things. And as soon as ego, which is this attempt of your old self to kind of dominate your heart and run things, when it starts to get in there, when it starts to work into cracks in your heart and it starts to inflate a little bit, it will build structures to protect itself. And so you look for defensive kind of mechanisms that you build in your life and behind there, you'll find ego hiding and you'll realize, man, I've got to do something about this. Well, today we're going to look at another way ego hides. It finds a way to slip in, even into something good, and sets up shop in your life. Now, I'm going to be able to pull some examples out of the scripture fairly easily. I'm going to, I'm going to do this pretty quickly, and that's part of the problem, because after you hear the two examples that I use, you're going to go, I don't think I want to be associated with that at all. Like that, I, When I compare myself to those two, I don't have a problem. But if you could be honest about what's happening at the core issue of this, you might find something helpful that you could use in your own life. That's, that's what I'm hoping. So I hope you just hang in there with me. Um, we're going to start by looking at a section of scripture. It's kind of funny. Jesus seemed to have a love-hate relationship um, with the Pharisees. These were the guys who um, seemed to be the arrogant ones in the scriptures who were just self-consumed, trying to trap Jesus all the time. They had, they had desires to kill him. They had all of this stuff going on. And yet, you'll find where Jesus compliments them for attempting to live righteous lives. They really cared about doing the right thing. And he thought that was a good thing, and so he would compliment them on it. But he's going to have a section of scripture where he teaches, and he's going to use the the Pharisees as an example. It's a very famous uh, sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you have your Bibles or a cell phone, you want to get to Matthew 6, that's where we're headed. But he's going to be talking about how the Pharisees live one way, but he wants his disciples, whom he's teaching to, to live a different way. And I want to be careful here. Jesus is not taking a shot at the Pharisees to mock them. He has has more understanding than anybody else because he knows what's in their hearts. And he's going to comment about stuff that's playing out in their hearts. 
See, they're the spiritual leaders of their day. People were following them. And if people chose to follow what they were doing and the way they were doing it, they were going to end up in the same place that these guys were. And although you'll never see the word ego mentioned in Matthew chapter 6, it's there. I think I'm going to be able to show it to you. But Jesus is concerned that if they weren't careful in who they followed and what they shaped their lives after, they could end up with problems. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 1. Because he says this. Again, he's talking to his disciples. He's trying to help them figure out the way to live to honor God. And he says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. He does not have a problem with righteousness. In fact, all of chapter 5, there's a whole list of virtues that God's hoping that his followers would adopt. He wants that to be a pursuit of their life. But the problem comes at the end of this sentence. To be seen by them. You're doing it to be seen by others. Now, this is hard. Because Jesus has the advantage of being able to look at somebody's heart. And I don't. I can remember the first time something like this happened in my life, and it made me uncomfortable. And again, I just want you to be clear. I don't know their heart. I just know how I felt, and so I want to tell you about it. Uh, When Tracy and I first got married, uh, we were attending a church, and a young college guy came along. He was a really cool guy. We liked him, got along with him, um, but seemed to want kind of credit for how spiritual he was. And it kind of reached a different level when he declared one day that he was going to do a 40-day fast like Jesus did. He was going to go without food, only liquids for 40 days. Now, I think it's a pretty cool thing because I think fasting is a valuable thing. You get hungry, your body calls for your attention, you turn that attention to God. It's a really effective tool, it's a cool thing. But it seemed to me, as this was unfolding, that he really wanted to be seen doing this. He wanted to tell people about it. He wanted, to, he wanted to make sure that everybody understood the kind of sacrifice that he was making. And I, I didn't know what to process it because, again, I can't see his heart. But I can see the warning that Jesus gave in verse 2. He says this, and he's talking about the Pharisees giving to the needy. This is a good thing. It's a good thing. He says, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Now, these guys weren't going around blowing trumpets. There's actually two possibilities that explain this little section of scripture here. One, it was a use of language. They actually would say, if you blew a trumpet, you were trying to gain attention. So, you know, the king would do decrees, and you'd see on movies, and everybody would pay attention. That's the kind of uh, phrasing that's here. But there's also another possibility, because this was about giving to the needy. The giving box in the temple was actually shaped like a trumpet. And if they were making a big display about their giving in front of everybody, it could have been that too. And Jesus said, listen, I want you to be careful of what? It's not the fact that they were giving. You're going to find all kinds of calls for us to care for those who are in need. It's the end of this sentence. To be honored by others. I want to be seen 
I want to be respected. I want to be honored for what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And the Pharisees were doing this when it came to reaching out and helping the needy. There's another example where this happens. This is in John chapter 12. We're just going to be here for a short time, then we'll be back in Matthew. Uh, Jesus is having his feet washed by a woman. She's using her hair. She's using a very expensive perfume. And somebody witnesses this going on and makes a comment. I'm going to give you their direct comment about how they feel about what they're seeing unfold. This is verse 5 of John 12. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Somebody's indignant, standing up to power, calling for money to be used for the poor. Who could complain about this kind of argument? Very quickly, John includes in the next verse that the person who said this is Judas, and he doesn't care at all. Now, they didn't know that at the time. They, they knew that looking back. But this is six days. He says this six days away from betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He doesn't care about the money. He doesn't care about the poor. You know what he cared about? They pointed out he cared about the money bag that he carried around on his hip. And all of that money would have gone into the bag. And he would have been seen as a person who had a bunch of money, so he was valued. He would have been seen handing it out. He would have gotten credit for that. The scriptures say he would have actually dipped into it and took some as he wanted it. That's what he cared about. But his statement in front of all of those people was about for him to get credit that he really cared about the poor. How would you... We could use this money so much better, and yet it wasn't about that. So here, here's two of our examples, both about good things, caring for the needy, both Pharisees and Judas. How many of you would like to be associated with the Pharisees and Judas? <laughs> Not one of us. Not one of us. Because there's such horrible examples, and yet what's happening here can happen to our hearts. Because the problem wasn't that they were a Pharisee. The problem wasn't that it was Judas. The problem was this simple little thing that happens in each and every one of our hearts. Motive. Who do you think you are? Why do you do what you do? The motive Behind this was, I want people to think a certain way about me. I want people to see me in a certain way. I want them to respect my spirituality. I want them to, to respect the role that I'm in. And so I'm out there trying to find a way to get them to give me that attention. And their motive was to be honored by other people. And they set out to do that in good ways. Like, would any of you argue that helping the needy would be a bad thing? That's what both of them are doing. And yet, Jesus suggests that because the motive is wrong, the rest of it is messed up and corrupt. Now, he goes on in Matthew chapter 6, and he says some more to his disciples about why this is such a problem. 
He says, because you're willing to sacrifice something. This is the end of verse 2. He says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. What they wanted was to be honored by people. They got that, they're done. That's, that's all they're ever going to get. What did they miss out on? Well, in verse 4, he says, if this had been done in secret, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. God was willing to be the one who rewarded. But God wasn't even considered because the approval of others was more important. Gaining honor from other people, what was on their mind. And because that was on their mind and they got it, people looked up to the Pharisees. They saw them as righteous spiritual leaders who were right. Because they got their honor, there was nothing that was going to come from God. Now, what's interesting here is in the first part of chapter 6, he talks about serving the needy, then he talks about prayer, then he talks about fasting. Would anybody argue that those aren't great things that are worth doing? And yet Jesus suggests that all of them are rendered useless if you approach them with the wrong motive. When you approach them more interested in gaining honor from others, what happens is God gets pushed further and further away from the scenario because you could have done it to honor God, but because you're so focused on other people, he gets pushed out of your mind, out of your heart, out of your life. And what's left is us chasing all this kind of adoration from other people. You know, I honestly think it's gotten more difficult for us in our culture. Because for a Pharisee, they had to leave their house, go out into the street or up to the temple to get the attention that they wanted. That's not true anymore. People do it from the bedrooms and their homes right now. We do it through posting. Is a social media post wrong? Absolutely not. People inform each other about what's going on in each other's lives all the time, and it works really great. It starts to cross a line when that post is to make sure that people understand just how generous I am. It starts crossing a line when everything that you post is the best moments of your life. I want to show you the best moments of my life. Why are you doing that? Because I'm craving some attention. I'm craving some thumbs up. I just want to get some thumbs up. And if you think that's a small thing right now, it is showing up in counseling centers all across the country where people are creating posts that they put out there that they expect to get a certain number of followings, likes, that sort of thing. And when they don't get it, they assume that it has something to do with how broken or messed up they are. They go into a depression and now they're filling counselors' rooms because they're not getting the kind of traction on social media they thought they should get. And this has become a real and genuine problem that we're facing. We're trying to find a way to get attention, and it's not just online. It's, it's with friends, it's with family, it's with coworkers. It happens at church, it happens with classmates, where you go somewhere and you try to present 
a facade that people will respect, like, honor. So what's the answer? Because Jesus seemed to indicate that if they would have done that stuff in secret, they would have been well off. But I don't know how you do everything in secret. In fact, I, I ran into that uh, last, this last month. In February, uh, Tracy and I went out to visit our parents. Uh, we celebrated her dad's 75th birthday, and I was kind of headed to Israel when my dad turned 80, and we surprised him. My brother and his wife and sister, we all came in. It was a nice time. And uh, we got to spend some time. My dad um, is like Liam Neeson. If you've ever seen the movie, he has a special set of skills. But he doesn't destroy the world with it. He, um, he does construction. He can build things. He's just really good at that. And he has used that for the sake of God's kingdom for as long as I can remember. Uh, often doing um, projects for churches and different groups that would save them a lot of money. And he had just completed one of those projects at his church. Um, we'd been talking about it on the phone, and so I knew about it. So that Sunday when we went to church with them, I said, hey, I'd like to see the project that you were working on. And he and kind of took me downstairs, and when I saw it, I had two thoughts first. <laughs> I thought, whoa, this is much bigger than what he indicated. And two, why in the world is an 80-year-old man doing this kind of work? This is hard, like, this is hard kind of work, but... I kept it to myself because my dad can be a little stubborn. And some of you have said that about me, but I've learned from the best, right? I've learned from the best. I've earned it honestly. And so, so I, I knew that wouldn't matter. And I was like, wow, that, that was crazy. I can't believe you did that. Um, it looks great. Good job. Um, as the service started upstairs, they decided to call my dad up to thank him. And as soon as they did, I leaned over to my brother and I said, time to be embarrassed. I hate that stuff. I hate it. I, I, it makes me uncomfortable when that sort of thing happens. And my dad walked up there and it was like looking in a mirror. Like he was incredibly uncomfortable and awkward. It was, I was laughing um, because I felt like I understood exactly what he was going through and I didn't have to, so it made me laugh. It was kind of funny. And... Uh, they had a little card there that they had signed, and they put a little gift card in there, and he wouldn't take it. And the lady did this. She took the card, she put it on his chest, and she let go, and he had to catch it as it was falling. I'm like, that's next level right there. I'm learning some stuff, right? Now, now I thought I knew what was going on, and I was wrong. After the service, I walked up to my brother and dad who were sitting there talking about this thing that had unfolded in front of everybody. And he was explaining how much he dislikes this and how he, he tries to avoid it at all costs. And we're like, look, people say thank you. Just say thank you and be done with it. Well, I mean, that was a little dramatic. And, and then he told us this story. He said 20 years earlier... Uh, he had helped do an addition on another church. It, it took months. And like the project that he had just worked on, he, he kind of does most of the work, and then a lot of people volunteer and help him with stuff, and they get it done, and, uh, and he was glad to do it, but it took a lot of time. And he got to the end of that. And at the end of that big project, the church invited him up front. He didn't know this was going to happen. 
And they, <laughs> I think this is funny, they presented him with a tool that he could use on the next project. <laughs> I love that, right? But somebody in the church didn't like that he was given that present, and they wrote him a letter. And the letter said, I hope you enjoy that tool because it's the only reward you're ever going to get. Because you got that reward publicly, God will not give you a reward for the work that you have done. And my dad said, since that time, I have been afraid of these moments because, because I don't want to do these things publicly. And I was like, how exactly were you going to do a project privately? Like, are you going to sneak into the church and do the demo in one night and then convince people it wasn't vandalism? I mean, what are we talking about here? I, I said, you don't understand. What he just quoted to you was about motive. So let me ask a question, Dad. Did you just do this six weeks of work so you could get a $50 gift card to Perkins and a pat on the back? Like, was that what you were all hyped up for? He's like, no. Then forget about it. Forget a 20-year-old letter and do good and do right and mind your motive. And if your motive is in the right place, you can go out there and do incredible things. But if it's not, then it's worth being careful because if you want to get the accolades for the projects that you do, that's a risk. That's your ego trying to find a way in through the back door to set up a place in your life where you start to care more about what other people think instead of what God thinks. Can I tell you right now that motive is so tricky and sneaky, it can use about anything, anything. Do you wear makeup? I don't think wearing makeup's a bad thing. In fact, what's weird, I, I sometimes watch women who judge each other for wearing it and not wearing it. I'm like, I, I just, I don't see it. Um, so if you want to wear makeup, wear makeup. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nightmare. Wear makeup. But here's the thing. The second you start doing it, because you want to feel valued, appreciated, catch the attention, get the accolades from other people about how you look, you should be careful. Do you work out? If I talk to you and you'd say, yeah, I work out. I think God's given me this body. It's right for me to honor him by taking care of it, so I work out. I would say, that's awesome. No problem with that. But the second, it's about being noticed, about how fit you are, about how people can see you and the persona that you get to put on because you work out, be careful. The social media posts, we already talked about that. But if you're out there posting on issues that you don't even fully understand so that a whole bunch of people will give you thumbs up and likes so that you can feel good about yourself, you ought to be careful. What if you were to stand up here on a Sunday and teach the scriptures, attempting to partner with God to tell people what's true? Would that be an okay thing to do? What happens, though, if when you're doing it, 
What you're really doing it for is for validation and getting comments about how good you are and what you do and how you measure up against other ministries. Then it becomes dangerous. And I can say this stuff because motive has crept into my heart in lots of different ways. And and when that ego finds motive, make yourself feel important. Gain honor through what you do. Get acceptance, get approval from other people. Let me just tell you, it's like a drug. Because you start taking just a little bit, and then you want more, and then you want more. And what happens over time is the more you take in, it starts to push into other areas of your life because you need to get more and more approval from people. And over time, God gets pushed to the side. He's out of the picture. And it's a free-for-all. And ego is firmly in charge. And while it's in charge, it's made you convinced that you're doing stuff that's good, that makes you feel good. And you never question it. If you want to get to the bottom of things, you'll eventually have to answer this question. Why do I care more about what someone thinks about me than what God thinks about me? Why do I care more about the approval from the people around my life than I do from getting God's approval? See, at the bottom of this is if you get your motive right, and you're doing things out of a heart that wants to honor God, you have loads of freedom. Go do stuff. Go do as many projects as you want. Go, go serve. Go pray. Go, like, go help the needy. Go. Do. Be. When your motives are right, God gives you a sense of freedom to live a kind of full life. But when your motive is wrong... And it's about you getting value, getting acceptance, getting liked by other people. It will trap you and ensnare you. And it will mess up your life in ways that you cannot imagine as more and more of your life becomes consumed by getting other people's honor. You know what's so hard about motive? You and God are the only ones who know for sure what the motive is in your heart. And listen, and sometimes you are deceived by you. It's why having a connection with God becomes so important. It's the only anchor that matters And when ego finds a way to slip behind these motives of I want to be honored by other people and God gets pushed out, the one honest voice that could have spoken into your life and rescued you from all of that gets silenced. And you miss out on the relationship that you have with God, the rewards that come with that relationship with God. Simple question. Who do you think you are? 
Who have you been trying to show to other people? Is there any chance that God needs to speak to you about a motive that's off so that he could get your heart back on track? Would you at least have that conversation with him? Let me pray with you. God, this is, um, this is serious stuff. It made it into the teaching with your disciples on that mountainside. They were sitting around quietly trying to understand what you expected from them as they, as they were going to eventually be the leaders in your kingdom. And what you wanted them to understand was that the motive mattered when it was to be seen, when it was to be honored, when it was to be liked, when it was to be... It was to put them center stage. It was a problem. God, there are a lot of ways this happens in our lives. Ego sneaky. But I ask that we would have the courage to bring this stuff before you, to lay out our hearts and just ask... Is there anywhere in my life where I simply care more about what other people think than what you think? And then have the courage to ask why. Why do I care so much about what other people think and not you? God, our hearts will be revealed. We'll be able to adjust our course towards you and honor you with the way we live. I ask you to take the blinders off and help us address our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.